This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Sink Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, and it is set. We are ready to roll. Super Bowl right around the corner. Lots of news going on in the NFL right now. Coaching, all kinds of different things. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I like the Broncos. Uh, is that for like? Is that old school Denver Broncos or what is that? No, 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 no. This is uh, this is Western Michigan, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, my son is the pitching coach for Western Michigan, and uh, I am getting a lot, a lot of. Uh, I don't know about the colors brown and yellow but i'm getting a lot of swag let's just say that i i'm and a large i'm a large if you just you know find yourself with some some from extra extra all right extra I'll, stuff, I'll check some, i'll check to see if i have extra stuff bring it on bring it on yeah a lot to get to before we jump into super bowl week and uh, all the the storylines that you know we're going to be previewing next week and jumping into a lot of stuff happening with the coaching cycle the coaching cycle finally closed all the spots mm, have been yeah. filled Let's uh, let, let's kind of get some reaction to them. Yeah, you know, one thing, I, I'm just going to jump in right off that, because I was on radio show last week where I said something that was oh, yeah, you transcribed created, created incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm on with the group in Seattle that I'm always on with every week, and, um, you know, we're just chopping up like we always do. And I had mentioned that, you know, they were all nervous about Ben Johnson because everybody thought that Ben Johnson – might either go to Seattle or he might go to Washington. And obviously Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions, decides to stay, takes his name out of contention. Some people have talked about he overpriced himself. He wanted, you know, he wanted 10 million bucks a year as a first-time coach, yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, man, I talked to Ben six weeks ago or whatever it was, and he wasn't in a hurry. He's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm not in a hurry to go if the, if the opportunity is right. You know, I would go, but I'm not in a hurry, and I love it here, and I've got a great quarterback, and we've got an unbelievable offensive line. We've got great, you know. I mean, when you think about them as a talented team, they've got a great running game with Montgomery and then Gibbs. They've got Amara St. Brown that's running in the slot, you know, that's running in the middle of the field, all the option routes. Guy's a phenomenal player. they got Williams outside. He is incredible. Um, you know, obviously Jared Goff and and maybe arguably one of the best, if not the best offensive line in football. Like, why would you be in a hurry to leave? He's not. And I said, you know, I, I would imagine that, you know, for him, it would have been a place like, like the Chargers, like L.A. Chargers because of the quarterback situation 
and all that. And so the producer on the show tweets out that I said, he said he would only leave for the Chargers. That's not what I said at all. I never said that. I never had that conversation. He just said he wasn't in a hurry to leave. So that, you know, then I started getting my phone started blowing up like everybody in there brother's uncle wanted to talk to me about and I'm like oh lord here we go so you know that's the I'm uh, always struck by the irony of somebody who's in the media playing the I got taken out of context by the media card right yeah which happened to you right well no it, it happened well they used to do it all the time like when I work at ESPN you'd sit there and be effusive in your praise for Tebow the guy and then you say yeah but he's not an NFL quarterback you know he he stinks Schlereth says Tebow is not an NFL quarterback he's st-, you know and you're like what about all the, hey, man, yeah. he's, they, you know. If it bleeds, it leads, man. Right. If it so, bleeds, it leads. Yeah, so that's kind of what happened there. But that was Ben Johnson. It's cool to see him go back. He's a young dude, loves, loves, loves working for Dan Campbell. Loves, he said that, you know, he told me Dan Campbell has got his finger so on the pulse of his team. And he said the analogies and things that he brings up are just brilliant. And it seems like every time he does it, it's exactly what the team needs to hear. So he's going to have to bring up one of those speeches after uh, declining to kick two field goals and go for it on fourth down. So, you know, that's going to be one of the things he's going to have to talk about. So good news for Detroit. They keep uh, Ben Johnson. But let's look at, all right, the Chargers. The Chargers get Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And, boy, you you can't come into an NFL job with more momentum than he's got right now, having won the national championship at Michigan. Do you see him making an immediate impact? Yeah, with the Chargers. Yeah, I, I do. Several. There's several things about Jim that I really that I really like. His game travels. You know how we talk about the playoffs all the time and say, "Hey, man, yeah. the the playoffs like the running game travels. Great defense travels. So when it comes playoff time and it's cold and it's miserable, you know, in teams that you know live at fantasy land like in Miami." you know, their balls shrivel up in the cold and they can't play, right? That I mean, that's what happens to them. They they end up getting... It's a scientific... Right. Like, I created... I created... And you guys are going to want to... You guys are going to want to be on this, this because... This is good. I have created a new analytic... What do you, what do you call that? Like a new... A new... Uh, no, it's just... Advanced a, a new, analytic. Yeah, it's an advanced analytic. Yeah. yeah. And so I created this on our radio show, and I think it's going to catch on. And the analytic is B-O-O, or as we like to call on the show, the boo, the boo rating. And the boo rating is balls over opponent. (laughs) Do your balls hang lower, and are your balls bigger than the balls of your opponent? Uh, And when Miami has to play in the cold and go on the road in the playoffs, their balls shrivel up like little tiny raisins. Yep, yep. And so balls over opponent rating would be, hey, whoever they play is going to have bigger balls than Miami. So that's your balls over your opponent. That's the kind of stats that I can get behind. That's the kind of uh, analytic, advanced analytics that I'm all over. Forget about this DVOA and oh, yard per target and all that crap. B-O-O, boo. That's what you need to talk about. So Harbaugh makes an immediate impact, well, even though he hasn't coached in the NFL since in a decade. Well, here's why I said I got off track. Sorry, yeah, I, got, well, I got excited. But you brought me back first in. Time, you folks, brought not the me, first time. You brought me back in. Yeah. So why why he travels? I, I guarantee you a couple things that, that Harbaugh will have. Harbaugh will employ a fullback. Harbaugh will employ tight ends that can actually block people. I, I get so sick. Uh, hearing the analysts 
you know, football analysts around the country. Um, why would you ever ask your tight end to block a defensive end? Why did you, anybody watch George Kittle just plant Aiden Hutchinson? Anybody watch that? Why? Because it's important. Why? Because it's part of your job, right? Everybody wants to be a wide receiver. Like, I want a guy that can catch passes, that can line up in the end of the line of scrimmage on the backside and cut somebody off on the front side and double team with his tackle or another tight end. So Jim Harbaugh will have a fullback. They will run the ball. They will have multiple tight ends that can actually block people. Like, they will have a real live NFL offense. And he won't try to morph it into collegiate. It's one of the reasons they won the national championship. One of the reasons they've been so good so, so for so many years is while everybody else is trying to be all spread and no line of scrimmage play and not worry about it, he comes back to old school. What is old is new again, and that's what travels. Like that to me is what's the difference between winning in the playoffs and losing in the playoffs. Old school, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, Washington. Is that a good yeah. fit? I love, well, you know. I'm I know a, you love DQ. I do love DQ. D, he's one of the great people in this league. He's a great relationship builder. And, you know, it's funny. When DQ got fired in Atlanta, talking to Matt Ryan and talking to different guys, I mean, they were devastated. And they were devastated because they couldn't, they couldn't, help him retain his job. Like when they lost that Super Bowl, Mike, it just spiraled with injuries and just all kinds of different things. But it's almost one of those those uh you know the Super Bowl hangover thing that everybody talks about. It became real. And the level of upset and disappointment for what ended up happening to Dan Quinn, like players love playing for him. And I will tell you, going to practice and watching them play and watching them practice on a Friday, then there are very few organizations that I have seen that are sharper, that are better, that like the way they the way they go about their business. And Dan's had multiple opportunities here in the last couple of years, and he's taken himself out of contention. This is great for me. It's great because Dan Quinn is one of those guys that I no, I, I really think can coach. I really like. He's a great relationship builder, and he's going back to where I cut my teeth in the National Football League, and and that, like I've said this a million times, but Washington when I was there, was a crown jewel, crown jewel of the NFL. You know, yeah. I remember one of the first meetings I ever had, um, like it was probably the first night of training camp my rookie year. You know how things resonate or stick with you? Sure. Joe Gibbs is standing in front of our team, addressing our team about the season. And at the time, in the NFL, there were 28 teams. There weren't 32 teams, okay? And he says, we are one of probably 10 teams in the National Football League that are trying to win a championship. Like, and, and people always look at me, and I, I said this on TV the other day, there's probably 12 teams that are actually trying to win a championship. In the NFL. Then there's 20 teams that are Oh, just I don't like, even think the number's that high. Right. There's, so just let's say it's 12 yeah, okay. or whatever. But Joe said there are 10 teams that are actually trying to win a championship, that have the infrastructure in place, that have the ownership to win one, that have the coaching to win one, and the players to win one. And they're committed to doing what it takes. 
Like most most teams in the NFL, let's be honest, if a championship comes your way, you know, I mean, that's gravy. But you're just relying on that, on the growth, the financial growth of your organization to get to churn 20% a year or whatever it is, right, and to grow. And, and we've seen it here recently. I mean, Washington hasn't won diddly, diddly squat in how long, and they just sold for $6.05 billion. So every year these things go up and up and up and up. And and I'm just like, there's – Joe was like – We've got the ownership. We've got everything in place. We're one of 10 teams in the league that is legitimately serious about winning a world championship. And and that's what you're going into the con- and and now you've got new ownership again. You got a coach and like it's a it's a man, I, I just want to see it. I just want to see it get back to where it's supposed to be. Well, I'm glad you're saying that and if you're a, a Commanders fan, I think this is important because Mark does care about the franchise, and and secondly, I know that the reaction to Dan Quinn's hiring has been kind of muted by the fans and media. Just you know, the sure. proverbial, it's not sexy enough. You know, oh, retread coach, somebody who's famous for blowing a twenty-eight to three lead in yeah. the Super Bowl. But I, I think it's important for Washington fans to feel good about this. Is that you know you're coming from the football world. The football world mm-hmm. loves Dan Quinn. Oh, so it's kind of been funny because it's like the fans have a certain reaction, the media has a certain reaction, and then there's NFL people yeah. have a, a much different reaction that is, this is a really good right. move for Washington. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny to me is, like, I heard this all over the place. Even I was out doing FS1 and doing the Carton Show last week, and it was one of those conversations. You know, well, Dan Quinn, I mean, look what happened to the Cowboys. They they played Green Bay in the playoffs, and defensively they got run, and you know, blah, blah, blah. It, you know, the revisionist history aspect of remember before Dan Quinn got there two years ago, that defense was horrendous. They were awful and they become one of the top defenses. And by the way, a bunch of guys that were unknown, relatively unknown became superstars under Dan Quinn's coaching. So I just like pump the brakes on that. Dan is a, he's a great relational guy. I, 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 for one, am so excited. He got that job. So what is the loss of Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator? mean for the Cowboys. Well, it means Jerry's going to be the defensive coordinator <laughs> slash GM slash add, the grand poobah of all things. He's going to add uh, to his uh, 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 job uh, description. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do my ra- radio show. I, I got some coaching. <laughs> so, I mean, like, who knows what, who knows. Uh, they, well, they will probably promote from within or whatever because, you know, I mean. That's a loss. A huge. Huge loss. It's a huge loss. For a loss. team that Let's face it, if you're Mike McCarthy, you're already a lame duck anyway because you only got one year left on your deal. Yeah. You became even more of a lame, lamer duck because when Jerry Jones, who has never turned down a, a question to answer, mm-hmm. was asked about the possibility of working with Bill Belichick, he right. says, oh, yeah, I could work with Bill. Great. I'd have no problem working with Bill. Yeah. Gee. Yeah, right? Right? Yeah. I don't no know. No pressure, I mean, Mike McCarthy. Yeah, that's all good. That's all well and good until that, you know, becomes the deal, and you realize that that Bill's going to have a little bit more shine than you, and that won't that won't go over well. So I don't see that happening. By the way, just off the cuff, they've got to re-sign Dak Prescott. They got to redo his contract, right? And and they've got. I mean, they've got to. Why? Because what else are you going to do? I mean, I, for one, am a Dak Prescott fan. I think Dak is 
You know, and I love the fact he came out and said, I played like shit or whatever um, in that playoff game. But I'm a, like, I like Dak. I think Dak's a damn good quarterback. I think Dak's a top 10 quarterback. So it's not like you can walk away from him. You got to figure out, you got to figure out what is it about you? Well, we know what it is about. It's Jerry, right? I mean, you can't. Like, we, we talk about the infrastructure in place to win a championship. You, like, if you don't empower you, like, I, we, we've talked about this, but when your head coach and quarterback find out that you traded for a former first-round quarterback and nobody had knowledge of you doing that until the guy showed up in the locker room and that's how you found out? I mean, come on, dude, really? That's That's how we're going to do this? That's like, do you text people and tell them they're fired? Not show up? Like, do you, <laughs> is that how you operate the? Yeah. yeah, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, it's just a bad. It's a bad look. It's a bad cowboy. Look. Speaking of weird, look, bad looks, weird looks. Bill Belichick didn't get hired. Yeah, I, I think we all went into this thinking if Bill Belichick's going to be available, Bill Belichick is going to be number one on everybody's mm-hmm. list. But yeah. save for a couple of interviews with Atlanta. There, there was really nothing, and now the coaching cycle has has finished. Yeah. He's going to sit out a year. I, I, deliciously enough, he may do television. Sign me up for that. Yeah. But what does this tell us? What does this tell us that Bill he'll Belichick? Go CBS, he'll go on the CBS desk and actually lower the average age of the folks on CBS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one I'm to talk. I'm old as the hills. But what do we make of the NFL's – what message did the NFL send us about Bill Belichick? Is well, he too old what have, what or have it been, was all about right. Brady? or he, What? What have I been talking to you about for years? There's, there's several different aspects here. One, um, you know, young, innovative – Head coaches, especially on the offensive side of the ball, are like Viagra to 80-year-old owners, man. They can't get enough. Like, that is as stiff as it what, gets. What it right? <laughs> so that's that's number one. Yeah. Number two, if you're going to hire a veteran coach like that, I mean, look at Sean Payton got $18 million a year. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh just got $16 million a year in L.A. Like, what is you're going to have to pay Bill Belichick X amount, right, whatever it is. And then I think thirdly, owners are under, and I don't know why this is, they're under the impression that only younger guys can communicate with today's player. Like, because why? You can throw a couple of emojis on a text message? Like, I would would argue that most younger coaches don't communicate very well because they've never been in a situation where they had to. Because it was all through text message and everything else. And so I think there's a misnomer that Bill, because he's fairly quiet or he's abrasive with the media, that that's how he is with his players. And I will tell you, having conversations with Bill in the past one-on-one, Bill is awesome. He is He's funny. He's sarcastic. He is a, he's a great communicator. But you know when he's in when he's in that head coaching mode in front of media, he's giving you almost nothing. That's what he is doing, and it's purposeful. And so to act like, well, you're older, you can't communicate, to me is stupid. You well, either have the ability. There's nobody that was a better communicator back in the day 
than Wade Phillips, even when he was, you know, 70s in coaching. Mm-hmm. Well, let's um, just look at the Chiefs. Andy Reid is 65. Yeah. And Andy Reid's doing State Farm commercials, and he's having fun. He's right. laughing, and I'll t- he, I'll he looks like one. one of the more easygoing coaches that you would you would love to play for a guy like Andy Reid. You want to talk about who who probably is Peyton Manning's favorite all-time coach? Oh, I know where you're going. Tom Moore. Tom Moore. Tom Moore's in his 80s. He's yeah. still coaching. Yeah. And he's phenomenal. Yeah. He's fun. I mean, so, like, I, I just look at all those things, you know, as – one, you want that young offensive coordinator. Two, people think that they can communicate more, which is garbage. Three, you don't have to pay them. You know, you're like, oh, do I want to pay Bill Belichick seventeen million bucks right. a year, or do I want to take a new, you know, innovative offensive or even defensive coach and pay him six million bucks a year? Yeah. Like, how much is Canales making? I don't. I didn't even look, but I'm sure it's five or six million bucks a year. By the way, what's the story you told me about him? The new coach hmm. of uh, Carolina. So he's a buddy of mine. I mean, Dave Canals. Yeah, Dave and I. Yeah. text and and OC with the Bucks talk. this past OC year. OC with the Bucks. Yeah. So Dave and I are friends, and I had no idea. I just found this out while doing TV in New York last week. They apparently wrote a book about about and and I love this about him. I, well, I don't love that he had to go through this, but he you know abused alcohol, um, infidelity in his marriage, addicted to pornography, just. And he just laid it all out. He just like, here I am. This is me and all my, all my, you know, all, just all my garbage. And he and his wife were able to reconcile, and they wrote a book together about. And and you know, like, he is the greatest, most positive. Like if you meet him, he's phenomenal. But I love it when when guys because that's how you that's how you overcome when people just accept what their garbage is and own it take responsibility for it, and then try to fix it. And so I had no idea until I was on TV this week that that was actually like a book he wrote. I don't know what the book is called, but um, good for him, man. Good for him for owning it. Good for him for getting through it and uh, changing his life. You like the fit with him in Carolina? I, yeah, I love, I, I really like Dave. I like Dave a lot. And, you know, again, it comes down to young, offensive, yep. innovator with, a, you know, a young quarterback, and everybody that you talk to within that organization will all tell you the same thing. Oh, Bryce Young, he's the guy. Like, he's going to be this and he's going to be that. And that's great. And, like, I've met with him several times. He's a great kid. I did two Carolina games. Great kid. Um, so much fun to talk to and all that stuff. Mike, he is tiny. And there's a part of me that can't get over the tininess factor and there are times when he throws the ball and i'm like it looks like he's shot putting it It looks like the ball's heavier than he is and he may be he may turn out to be great he he may be but man i'm telling you what now you know from the neck up i think he's i think he's a really you know i think he's a smart kid but you know never really played under center growing up through Alabama, like the only time you get under center when you're in Alabama is when you're in victory formation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like there's there are some things that are red flags for me, having done two games and studied probably six total games um, that are a little bit concerning. So, but they seem, everybody that is there, now, do you love him because you have to love him? Or do you love him because you really love him? I don't know. 
one more coaching hire. Mike McDonald in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Defensive guy coming over from the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll was a you defensive guy. You say Mike McDonald without going, okay. I, I, I want to call him Michael McDonald. I just do. But Dude, Michael McDonald is awesome. You know, he, he I can understand. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, you can just go through. Or when he's with the Doobies, Michael McDonald, yeah. the Doobie Brothers. Uh-huh. You're watching any documentaries on that? No. Apparently, he is just like a absolute, you know, perfectionist, like, you know, and just driving those guys like like as if they weren't drinking and drugging enough. Right, right, right. right. Not, he drives them to drink not, even yeah, more. Yeah, so anyhow, but yeah, I but love. But Mike McDonald, I, we'll I, call him Mike McDonald. I'd rather Seattle. Michael McDonald right. coach Michael, the Seahawks. Michael McDonald is but coaching. But go ahead, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald is coaching the, uh, coaching the Seahawks. I, I don't know. I guess that kind of surprised me because – to me, when you when you move off of a coach, you kind of want to go the opposite direction. And I know they went older to younger, mm-hmm, but I but almost feel like they're trying to find a young Pete Carroll. Yeah. Well, let's face it. it Are worked, they? It worked for them. Yeah. And it worked for them for a lot of years. And, you know, interestingly enough, if you look at the Seahawks and what has transpired since their – you know, back-to-back championship games where they won one and lost one. Um, what's really transpired is that defense has not been very good. They fired Clint Hurt. He he signed somewhere to be a D-line coach. But, you know, they've gone through several defensive coordinators. They've gone through, and that's really what's hurt them more than, you know, more than even even getting off of, of Russell Wilson and moving into the uh, – you know, moving into the other direction um, and, and leaving him behind. Um, it's the defense that has not been performing the way. And they built themselves on great defense, run the ball, you know, have your quarterback manage the game. And um, and listen, man, that so that part of it actually kind of makes sense. But I'm with you. I thought, I thought for sure they would go offensive guy. And it almost feels like, you know, they had, I think, being in, in that area or, or talking on the show every week in Seattle, I think they thought they were going to get Ben Johnson. Mm-hmm. And once that fell apart, then they went with the next, you know, the the young, you know, the next young up and coming. And, and you know, Mike McDonald's been incredible in Baltimore. I mean, they've been great. And they, and they left a guy that was kind of iconic in Wink Martindale as their defense coordinator – and went to Mike McDonald. So, kind of interesting. Well, those are the coaches, the new coaches in place, and all these teams that are trying to find that that special mix that will get them to the Super Bowl. Next week, we're going to dive into the matchup. We got yeah. San Francisco. We got Kansas City. Just as we sit here, before we really get into the matchup, just kind of, where's your head at? Man, well, you know... I mean, I know you hate the Shanahan's. You always have. <laughs> I don't hate the Shanahan's. I that's don't know. complete. That's a complete myth. I've got no. You know, I think. I think. I have nothing but respect. Mike Shanahan. I, co- I covered Mike Shanahan when you right. were playing for Mike Shanahan. I know. Mike Shanahan, very scary guy. Right. Very intimidating. I think, guy. I think you asked him a question. He gave you the my Mike I, Shanahan the, tan the, face the look. Eye. Right, and you piddled oh, in your pants, I and did. ever since then, a wee little bit. Yeah, ever since then, a little squirt. You have not liked the Shanahan. Nah, it's not true. Okay, I love the Shanahan. Um, 
Listen here, just going into this, just going into this thing and having watched how the playoffs have, have played out, man, this is incredible. So all of a sudden, you've got Kansas City that I think they've played probably their two best games back to back here come playoff time. Now they didn't they didn't defend the run for the first three quarters against Baltimore. I mean, excuse me, against Buffalo, excuse me. Um, but I think they've played their best two games of the season. You know, everybody was, what's wrong with Kansas City? And Kansas City is, you know, and they seem to have, even Travis Kelsey on his podcast, uh, New Heights, said, hey, man, we kind of flipped the switch. Mm-hmm. And then you've got San Francisco that arguably, probably collectively as a team, played the two worst games they've played all year. Defensively, like, like this this D line has just been the strength of this defense. They have gotten pushed around. They have not been very good. Their back end has been so injured, and they've got some liabilities back there playing. Like that, they scare me. And let's face it, you know, for all the people that say Brock Purdy's a system quarterback, he has had to hoist that team on his shoulders the last two weeks, late in games and deliver them a victory. He's done that. So to sit there and say, well, he's just nothing but a system quarterback, he just showed you that when it's nut-cutting time, you know, when we talk about my stat, right? Boo. Boo. When it's nut-cutting time, Balls that dude's... over opponent. Right. That dude has got some freaking... That dude's got some yarbles in his coin purse. <laughs> I mean, that thing is... That thing is tremendous. Say, how much change do you have in that purse? <laughs> buy a new car with the change I'm carrying in this purse. Oh. What about uh what about you know with Can- with Kansas City? What 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 to you is the the big storyline or or storylines that will surround Kansas City this week? Next week. Well, you know, we've talked about this being the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever played with. Mm-hmm. And so like to me, the one thing about them is they don't have to rely on the offense carrying them. They're the number they were the number two scoring defense, I think, overall in the National Football League, but they were the number one scoring defense after halftime. They they're incredible. And therefore, you know, it used to always be you're gonna outscore people. I, I think that, you know, the the craziest matchup for me is San Francisco against this defense. And can San Francisco run their offense and possess the ball? Because that's usually how they get you. And in doing that, can you keep Patrick Mahomes off the football field? Which, you know, in pa- in the past, Mike, that's always been one of those things that easier said than done. But, you know, because you put a seven-minute touchdown drive together or you put a seven eight minute field goal drive together and he turns around and puts a minute and 15 second touchdown drive on your ass and and you know you end up losing in the last quarter of the football game um they're just like they are gonna have to play oh man they're gonna have to play so tight they're gonna have to play so good and execute so well on the offensive side of the ball for the san francisco for the the niners to beat them i think well, to your point about the Chiefs relying on their defense, they only scored three points. Kansas City's offense only scored three points in the second half. Yeah. And, you know, still went on to win that, but didn't you feel that football like, game. Didn't you feel like 
Kansas City was like, if we need to score, yeah, we can score. Yep. I just there's something special about that. Yeah, I guess there's it's an interesting way to look at it because you got the the Chiefs coming in playing arguably their two best games. Are they peaking? And are they dangerous because of that? And then with the 49ers, they haven't played well, but are they battle tested mm. in a way that they won two pressurized football games, playoff games? Without playing that their best, does that give them a level of confidence yeah. that hey, you know we we've proven that we can win without playing our best? Hey, that that should give us a boost if we can put together a, a full sixty minutes of football, we're going to be world champs. Yeah, yeah. I mean that it's a great, it just is a great matchup. I like and it. And I tell you what, I like as much as I want. San Francisco to win, and my loyalty, you know, will be picking San Francisco. Part part of it is because I hate, like, I just AFC West. Yeah, I just too many battles with the Chiefs. Yeah, too many right, battles. Yeah. It's personal. I know. It's just, and you know what? It's hard to do. It's hard to hate Mahomes. I I agree. I know that there are plenty of NFL cities that are trying to like, the Chiefs, but come on. Mahomes is likable. Yeah. Reed's likable. They're all, yeah, they're likable. I and like plus, Kelsey. Plus, there's almost, yes, there's almost this sympathy factor with Mahomes because, you know, he's got he's got <laughs> the crazy brother, you know. we got to deal with that. Yeah. And he's and he deals with it with grace, and he's, yeah. he seems to be okay. And, you know, some people would say he's got a really annoying wife. I'm not one of those people. But, you know, there are people that say that. So he can be almost a sympathetic figure in this deal. And can I just say, I don't know how you feel, but maybe as we get ready to shift our focus to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. next week, can I just say, I don't have a problem with Taylor Swift. I don't think she's ruining football. Oh, no. You know, for, for everybody who is so triggered and butthurt by mm-hmm. – Get over it, man. Right. It's it, you I, know I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't either, and I hope I hope Travis Kelsey is completely, you know, whipped and mesmerized <laughs> and infatuated and with whatever other word you want to use there. Uh-huh. And I hope they, you know, I hope that after this game, win, lose or draw, he just realizes how much she needs him on tour. <laughs> And that he retires, he retires and that, that we don't have to deal with that aspect of the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year anymore. Well, I think I speak for the rest of the AFC West that they would be okay with that plan. Right? So Just off to the sunset. Mm-hmm. I mean, she needs him on tour. Yes. Right? And next week, when we get into the uh, matchup, you're going to learn some things about Mark Slareth uh, and his place in Super Bowl lore. I am where he has done things in the Super Bowls that nobody, and I mean nobody else, can claim. This I, is yeah, legit, I've, by the way. I've got, I've got, yeah, several different. Why don't we tease that? Okay, I've got. All right, I've got several different Super Bowl situations, <laughs> almost like scoregami type of things, where I am the only person in Super Bowl history. That can claim these things. Well, we're going to ask you to do something that I know you hate, and that is talk about yourself. So, right, yes, it is. You know, I've up. told you many times. It Gird is, your loins. I to am be my ready favorite subject. I've always been my favorite subject. It's incredible. Well, you'll ask get that me chance. about me. Yeah, you'll get right. that chance next week. All right. Well, there you go. For everybody involved 
in the Stinky Truth Podcast. We thank you so much. Please subscribe. Do all the things you do. Uh, I'm supposed to put that in the beginning of the show, but I never remember. <laughs> so, you know, but whatever. Uh, click the little subscribe button. Um, do us all a favor and, and help a brother out. Uh, for Mike, I am Mark, and we will talk to you later.